0: Chapters Seven Through Eleven of the Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Volume One. Translated by John Eddington Simons. Chapters Seven Through Eleven. Chapter Seven. When my father spoke to me, in the way I have above described, I entreated him to let me draw a certain fixed number of hours in the day, all the rest of my time I would give to music, only with the view of satisfying his desire. Upon this he said to me, "'So then you take no pleasure in playing?' To which I answered no, because that art seemed too base in comparison with what I had in my own mind.' My good father, driven to despair by this fixed idea of mine, placed me in the workshop of Cavalier Bandinello's father, who was called Michel Angnolo, a goldsmith from Pincidimonte, di Monte, and a master excellent in that craft. He had no distinction of birth whatever, but was the son of a charcoal seller. This is no blame to Bandinello, who was founded the owner of the family, if only he had done so honestly— however that may be i have no cause now to talk about him after i had stayed there some days my father took me away from michel agnolo finding himself unable to live without having me always under his eyes accordingly much to my discontent i remained at music till i reached the age of fifteen if i were to describe all the wonderful things that happened to me up to that time and all the great dangers to my own life which i ran i should astound my readers but in order to avoid prolixity and having very much to relate i will omit these incidents when i reached the age of fifteen i put myself against my father's will to the goldsmith's trade with a man called antonio son of sandro known commonly as Marcone, the goldsmith he was a most excellent craftsman and a very good fellow to boot "'high-spirited and frank in all his ways. "'My father would not let him give me wages, "'like the other apprentices, "'for having taken up the study of this art "'to please myself, "'he wished me to indulge my whim for drawing to the full. "'I did so willingly enough, "'and that honest master of mine "'took marvellous delight in my performances. "'He had an only son, a bastard, "'to whom he often gave his orders, "'in order to spare me.' My liking for the art was so great, or, I may truly say, my natural bias, both one and the other, that in a few months I caught up the good, nay, the best young craftsman in our business, and began to reap the fruits of my labours. I did not, however, neglect to gratify my good father from time to time by playing on the flute or cornet. Each time he heard me, I used to make his tears fall accompanied with deep-drawn sighs of satisfaction. My filial piety often made me give him that contentment, and induced me to pretend that I enjoyed the music too. CHAPTER Eight. At that time I had a brother, younger by two years, a youth of extreme boldness and fierce temper. He afterwards became one of the great soldiers in the school of that marvellous general, Giovannino de' Medici, father of Duke Cosimo. The boy was about fourteen, and I two years older. One Sunday evening, just before nightfall, he happened to find himself between the gate San Gallo and the Porta Apinti. In this quarter he came to duel with a young fellow of twenty or thereabouts. They both had swords, and my brother dealt so valiantly that, after having badly wounded him, he was upon the point of following up his advantage. There was a great crowd of people present, among whom were many of the adversary's kinsfolk. Seeing that the thing was going ill for their own man, they put hand to their slings, a stone from one of which hit my poor brother in the head. He fell to the ground at once in a dead faint. It so chanced that I had been upon the spot alone, and without arms, and I had done my best to get my brother out of the fray, by calling to him, Make off, you have done enough. Meanwhile, as luck would have it, he fell, as I have said, half dead to earth. I ran up at once, seized his sword, and stood in front of him, bearing the brunt of several rapiers and a shower of stones. I never left his side until some brave soldiers came from the gate San Gallo and rescued me from the raging crowd. They marvelled much, the while, to find such valor in a young a boy. Then I carried my brother home for dead, and it was only with great difficulty that he came to himself again. When he was cured the eight who had already condemned our adversaries and banished them for a term of years sent us also into exile for six months at a distance of ten miles from florence i said to my brother come along with me and so we took leave of our poor father and instead of giving us money for he had none he bestowed on us his blessing i went to siena wishing to look up a certain worthy man Called Maestro Francesco Castoro. On another occasion, when I had run away from my father, I went to this good man and stayed some time with him, working at the goldsmith's trade, until my father sent for me back. Francesco, when I reached him, recognized me at once and gave me work to do. While thus occupied, he placed a house at my disposal for the whole time of my sojourn in Siena. Into this I moved, together with my brother. And applied myself to labour for the space of several months, my brother had acquired the rudiments of Latin, but was still so young that he could not yet relish the taste of virtuous employment, but passed his time with dissipation. Chapter Nine. The Cardinal de Medici, who afterwards became Pope Clement the Seventh, had us recalled to Florence at the entreaty of my father, a certain pupil of my father's. Moved by his own bad nature, suggested to the cardinal that he ought to send me to Bologna, in order to learn to play well from a great master there. The name of this master was Antonio, and he was in truth a worthy man in the musician's art. The cardinal said to my father then, If he sent me there, he would give me letters of recommendation and support. My father, dying with joy at such an opportunity, sent me off and I, being eager to see the world, went with good grace. When I reached Bologna, I put myself under a certain maestro Ercole del Pifero, and began to earn something by my trade. In the meantime I used to go every day to take my music lesson, and in a few weeks made considerable progress in that accursed art. However, I made still greater in my trade of goldsmith, for the cardinal having given me no assistance, I went to live with a Bolognese illuminator who was called Scipione Cavaletti. His house was in the street of Our Lady del Baracan. And while there I devoted myself to drawing and working for one Graziadio, a Jew, with whom I earned considerably. At the end of six months I returned to Florence, where that fellow Pierino, who had been my father's pupil, was greatly mortified by my return. To please my father, I went to his house and played the cornet and the flute with one of his brothers, who was named Girolamo, several years younger than the said Piero, a very worthy young man, and quite the contrary of his brother. On one of those days my father came to Piero's house to hear us play, and in ecstasy at my performance exclaimed, I shall yet make you a marvellous musician against the will of all, or any one who may desire to prevent me. To this Piero answered and spoke the truth. Your benvenuto will get much more honor and profit, if he devotes himself to the goldsmith's trade, than to this piping. These words made my father angry, seeing that I too had the same opinion as Piero. That he flew into a rage and cried out at him, Well did I know that it was you, you who put obstacles in the way of my cherished wish. You are the man who had me ousted from my place, at the palace, paying me back with that black ingratitude, which is the usual recompense of great benefits. I got you promoted, and you have got me care-sheared. I taught you to play with all the little art you have, and you are preventing my son from obeying me. But bear in mind these words of prophecy. Not years or months, I say, but only a few weeks will pass before this dirty ingratitude of yours shall plunge you into ruin. To these words answered Pierino, and said, Maestro Giovanni, the majority of men, when they grow old, go mad at the same time, and this had happened to you. I am not astonished at it, because most liberally have you squandered all your property, without reflecting that your children had need of it. I mind to do just the opposite, and to leave my children so much, that they shall be able to succor yours. To this my father answered, No bad tree ever bore good fruit, quite the contrary, and I tell you further that you are bad, and that your children will be mad and paupers, and will cringe for alms to my virtuous and wealthy sons. Thereupon we left the house, muttering words of anger on both sides. I had taken my father's part, and when we stepped into the street together, I told him I was quite ready to take vengeance for the insults heaped on him by that scoundrel provided he permit me to give myself up to the art of design. He answered, My dear son, I too in my time was a good draughtsman, but for recreation, after such stupendous labours, and for the love of me, who am your father, who begat you and brought you up and implanted so many honourable talents in you, for the sake of recreation, I say, will not you promise sometimes to take in hand your flute, and that seductive cornet, "'and to play upon them to your heart's content, "'inviting the delight of music. "'I promised I would do so, "'and very willingly for his love's sake. "'Then my good father said "'that such excellent parts I possessed "'would be the greatest vengeance "'I could take for the insults of his enemies. "'Not a full month had been completed after this scene, "'before the man Pierino "'happened to be building a vault in a house of his, "'which he had in the Via dello studio.' And being one day in a ground floor, room above the vault, which he was making, together with much company around him, he fell to talking about his old master, my father. While repeating the words which he had said to him concerning his ruin, no sooner had they escaped his lips than the floor where he was standing, either because the vault had been badly built, or rather through the sheer mightiness of God, who does not always pay on Saturday, suddenly gave way. Some of the stones and bricks of the vault, which fell with him, broke both his legs. The friends who were with him, remaining on the border of the broken vault, took no harm, but were astounded and full of wonder, especially because of the prophecy which he had just contemptuously repeated to them. When my father heard of this, he took his sword and went to see the man. There in the presence of his father, who was called Nicolaio de Volterra, a trumpeter of the signory, he said, O oh, Piero, my dear pupil, I am sorely grieved at your mischance, but if you remember, it was only a short time ago that I warned you of it, and as much as I then said will come to happen between your children and mine. Shortly afterwards the ungrateful Piero died of that illness. He loved a wife of bad character and one son, who after the lapse of some years came to me to beg for alms in Rome. I gave him something, as well because it is my nature to be charitable, as also because I recalled with tears the happy state which Pierino held when my father spake those words of prophecy, namely, that Pierino's children would live to crave succor from his own virtuous sons. Of this perhaps enough is now said, but let none ever love at THE PROGNOSTICATIONS OF ANY WORTHY MAN, WHOM HE HAS WRONGFULLY INSULTED, BECAUSE IT IS NOT HE WHO SPEAKS, NAY, BUT THE VERY VOICE OF GOD THROUGH HIM. CHAPTER Ten. All this while I worked as goldsmith, and was able to assist my good father. His other son, my brother Cecino, had, as I said before, been instructed, in the rudiments of Latin letters." It was our father's wish to make me, the elder, a great musician and composer, and him, the younger, a great and learned jurist. He would not, however, put force upon the inclinations of our nature, which directed me to the arts of design, and my brother, who had a fine and graceful person, to the profession of arms. Cecino, being still quite a lad, was returning from his first lesson in the school of the stupendous Giovannino de' Medici, on the day when he reached home, I happened to be absent, and he, being in want of proper clothes, thought out our sisters, who, unknown to my father, gave him a cloak and doublet of mine, both new and of good quality. I ought to say that, beside the aid I gave my father and my excellent and honest sisters, I had bought those handsome clothes out of my own savings. When I found I had been cheated and my clothes taken from me, AND MY BROTHER FOR WHOM I SHOULD HAVE RECOVERED THEM WAS GONE. I ASKED MY FATHER WHY HE SUFFERED SO GREAT A WRONG TO BE DONE ME, SEEING THAT I WAS ALWAYS READY TO ASSIST HIM. HE REPLIED THAT I WAS HIS GOOD SON, BUT THAT THE OTHER, WHOM HE thought TO HAVE LOST, HAD BEEN FOUND AGAIN. ALSO THAT IT WAS A DUTY, NAY, A PRECEPT FROM GOD HIMSELF, THAT HE WHO HAS SHOULD GIVE TO HIM WHO HAS NOT, AND THAT FOR HIS SAKE, I ought to bear this injustice, for God would increase me in all good things. I, like a youth without experience, retorted on my poor afflicted parent, and taking the miserable remnants of my clothes and money, went toward a gate of the city. As I did not know which gate would start me on the road to Rome, I arrived at Lucca, and from Lucca reached Pisa. When I came to Pisa, I was about sixteen years of age at the time, I stopped near the middle bridge, by what is called the Fish-Stone, at the shop of a goldsmith, and began attentively to watch what the master was about. He asked me who I was, and what was my profession. I told him that I worked a little in the same trade as his own. This worthy man bade me come into his shop, and at once gave me work to do, and spoke as follows: Your good appearance makes me believe you are a decent, honest youth. Then he told me out gold, silver, and gems, and when the first day's work was finished, he took me in the evening to his house, where he dwelt respectably with his handsome wife and children. Thinking of the grief which my good father might be feeling for me, I wrote him that I was sojourning with a very excellent and honest man called Maestro oliveria della Chiostra, and was working with him at many good things of beauty and importance. I bade him be of good cheer, for that I was bent on learning, and hoped by my acquirements to bring him back both profit and honour before long. My good father answered the letter at once, in words like these. My son, the love I bear you is so great, that if it were not for the honour of our family, which above all things I regard, I should immediately have set off for you. FOR INDEED IT SEEMS LIKE BEING WITHOUT THE LIGHT OF MY EYES WHEN I DO NOT SEE YOU DAILY, AS I USED TO DO. I WILL MAKE IT MY BUSINESS TO COMPLETE THE TRAINING OF MY HOUSEHOLD, UP TO virtuous HONESTY. DO YOU MAKE IT YOURS TO ACQUIRE EXCELLENCE IN YOUR ART? AND I ONLY WISH YOU TO REMEMBER THESE FOUR SIMPLE WORDS, OBEY THEM, AND NEVER LET THEM ESCAPE YOUR MEMORY. IN WHATEVER HOUSE YOU BE, STILL NOT AND LIVE HONESTLY. CHAPTER Eleven. This letter fell into the hands of my master Olivieri, and he read it unknown to me. Afterwards he avowed that he had read it, and added, So then, my benvenuto, your good looks did not deceive me, as a letter from your father, which has come into my hands, gives me assurance, which proves him to be a man of notable honesty and worth. Consider yourself, then, to be at home here, and as though in your own father's house. While I stayed at Pisa, I went to see the Campo Santo, and there I found many beautiful fragments of antiquity, that is to say, marble sarcophagi. In other parts of Pisa, also, I saw many antique objects, which I diligently studied, whenever I had days or hours free from the labor of the workshop. My master, who took pleasure in coming to visit me in the little room which he had allotted me, observing that I spent all my time in studious occupations, began to love me like a father. I made great progress in the one year that I stayed there, and completed several fine and valuable things, in gold and silver, which inspired me with a resolute ambition to advance in my art. My father, in the meanwhile, kept writing pitches and treaties that I should return to him, and in every letter bade me not to lose the music "'he had taught me with such trouble. "'On this I suddenly gave up all wish to go back to him. "'So much did I hate that accursed music, "'and I felt as though of a truth ever in paradise, "'the whole year I stayed at Pisa, "'where I never played the flute. "'At the end of the year my master Olivieri "'had occasion to go to Florence, "'in order to sell certain gold and silver sweepings, "'which he had. "'And inasmuch as the bad air of Pisa had given me a touch of fever. I went with the fever hanging still about me, in my master's company, back to Florence. There my father received him most affectionately, and lovingly prayed him, unknown by me, not to insist on taking me again to Pisa. I was ill about two months, during which time my father had me most kindly treated and cured, always repeating that it seemed to him a thousand years till I got well again in order that he might hear me play a little. But when he talked to me of music, with his fingers on my pulse, seeing he had some acquaintance with medicine and Latin learning, he felt it change so much, if he approached that topic, that he was often dismayed and left my side in tears. When I perceived how greatly he was disappointed, I bade one of my sisters bring me a flute. For though the fever never left me, that instrument is so easy— that it did not hurt me to play upon it, and I used it with such dexterity of hand and tongue, that my father coming suddenly upon me, blessed me a thousand times, exclaiming that while I was away from him, I had made great progress, as he thought, and he begged me to go forwards, and not to sacrifice so fine an accomplishment. End of chapters 7-11 through